Fair Catch, a podcast about all things DFA football. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of Fair Catch. We are here to talk about Russell Wilson right out the gate because he has made a difference for a team and it is not New England anymore. It is the Minnesota Vikings, who are now first in the NFC North at 5-5, five and five, which again, not the really the best of records, but in that shit division, you have an opportunity in that conference to really progress forward with even just getting to 8-8 eight and eight or better, and they might just do that uh, in the NFC North with this roster, which is now one of the best rosters that we are looking at and saying, you know what, of the talent, especially in the NFC, the Vikings are cream of the crop and could move forward if they can get rolling, and I think they might. Do you think that this was the move that can put the Vikings over the top right right now? Yes, and they're a sneaky good team right now. Um, we didn't talk about them a lot in the first uh, few episodes here, and maybe that's our fault because they look really good right now. Yeah, Russell Wilson reuniting with Marshawn Lynch, and that is very exciting for, for everybody in Minnesota. I think the interesting part about the Vikings, right, at 5-5, five and five, they're kind of like our Jets conversation last time, which is, hey, this team hasn't gotten it rolling just yet, but watch out, and the Jets have really rolled. The Vikings, though, they have an opportunity to really start putting some distance between them and the rest of the pack, especially with the Bears having two backups as starters and the Lions and Packers in your division. The Packers still, again, figuring out what they're doing with Lamar. They've actually fired their coach. We'll get to that in a little bit. I think the Vikings can move forward from here clinch a playoff spot, uh, it would be a lot of fun having having uh, Russell Wilson go from the Patriots, which are now in a complete rebuild, over to the Vikings and carry them into a playoff spot. That could be pretty interesting. And they're not a team I'd want to get in the first round of the playoffs either because I, I do think that um, this team is gelling right now. You think that they could be one of these teams that just knock someone off with not even as good of a record, right? You're, you have this other team that's 12-4, and four, right, or something like even better, and they, they come in at 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, and they upset? Those are my favorite teams, right? Those wild cards that get in there and just start knocking teams off that are overconfident coming in. Um, I like the Vikings right here. Well, I'll tell you what. That might be the case for them, but one of the teams that might be in a wild card spot is one of these two teams in the AFC East, which is either the Jets or the Bills. Yes, the Jets. <laughs> and your Jets are surging as much as possible since we last spoke. At 8-3, and three, the Bills, who were the number one team in this division at 5-1 and one or better, are now find themselves at 7-4 and four and in a complete QB debacle. Since this whole podcast began. Do you think they flip a coin before the game begins about who to start? I think he do, I think he might because at this point, I don't know if he knows who he's going to pick 10 minutes before uh, the game begins on who's going to start between Dimes and Goff. He's gone back and forth, and he thought he had it figured out as he went to Goff. Then, in frustration, after a couple of losses, goes back to the righty, uh. and he goes and gets Dimes off the bench Wins a couple of games, but let me tell you, the loss that they just took, 16-13, to 13, shows you just what type of an offense he's running with dimes. With 150 yards passing and a pick, you're not going to get too far with this. And the question that the ownership had was, well, you guys told us to start Goff. This was should have worked out that way. No, no, no. We told you to start Goff 
and trade dimes. You miss the second half of the equation here. You can't, you know, you can't get to the end result unless you do both parts. If you traded dimes, right, and you got something back in return, your team overall would have been better. Without that, you're stuck in this malaise between two guys that could be the starter, could not be the starter, which one's going to be good, which one's going to be bad today, and you're stuck with both of them. And right now, they might get stuck with them for the rest of the season if they don't look to move someone, and I think the price tag is just too high. I think um, at this point, I don't even care who you trade. Just trade one get of them. Get them out of town. What is the problem? trading one of them is going to make the other one better, right? So capitalize. Do part two. And you're gonna what, you're gonna benefit from well, it. Well, listen, which one would be the one that you got rid of? Dimes. <laughs> okay, it's always so, been dimes. It's always been dimes. But I don't right? care anymore. Yeah, you just get rid of either one, one of them. Trade either, one of them. Either one works for you. But my question is, what is the price tag? I think that he's trying to get a one, and I don't think that you trade a guy if if you're saying like, hey, dimes is on the field. He's thrown 150 yards in a pick. Why would I trade a pick? Why would I trade a top 10, top 15, top 18 pick? for a guy who's clearly not getting it down the field, but is young and could progress. Why wouldn't I just wait till the draft and get him? That's why I think that a move like the Bears, right, who have Fitzmagic and Tannehill as their duo here, they are the perfect marriage for this trade. And maybe it's a two, maybe it's a two and a three, maybe it's a two and a player. And I think that combo works best for both teams, right? You get, if you are the Bills, you are in a tightly contested uh, division and a conference that is going to need more victories than what you have right now. You're not uh, in the NFC North where you're going to win at 8-8 eight and eight and take down uh, that grouping. This is going to be really hard to come back and take over the Jets if you want to win this division and not just be a wildcard team. And even when you get to the playoffs, you're going to need more. So I think you try and decide which one you want to move forward with and take the best offer you can get and move on. It's pretty amazing that they're 7-4 and four and they've had this type of confusion at the quarterback position. Um, the fact that they are 7-4, and four, I think that if they do trade one of the two of them for a pick and maybe even a player now, because they are knocking on the door of the playoffs here, and I do think that this they, they, they can win here. Do you think that the Bills are the most overrated team? No, I don't. Um, because by making a trade, they can make themselves better tomorrow. That's true. And they've won despite the poor quarterback play. Yes, so maybe right. they do have a talented enough roster to get it done. Um, but the Jets, I mean, I, I might owe you that ginger ale, the way this is going, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll I mean, take them all. Eight and three, uh, first in the AFC East, absolutely rolling. They took the advice. They went out and, and got more defensive players. They've looked good at the quarterback position, running and throwing the ball I think that's really the recipe. If you have a quarterback that can do both and get it done in multiple levels, it can really work out for your team. The Jets have uh, have taken control of the AFC East. Do you think that they hold on to this division uh, going forward? Yeah, because the offense is just rolling now. Like you said, they improved the defense, which got them to be more balanced on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, and I, and I like them to come out of that division. So – He's been unleashed, but do you think that the Green Bay Packers are, have a recipe to catch the Vikings in the same manner that the Jets have caught the Bills, which is they've gone and put up more offensive points, and it's been from the quarterback position. Has Green Bay taken it to another level by firing the coach and getting Lamar out of the drywall? It's like they put a couple of wheels on because, look, 
He throws for almost 250. He runs for almost 70, and he gets a solid. touchdown. Like it's a solid, solid. It's game. exactly what we talked about last time. But I think that they're just on the tip of the iceberg. They haven't changed the playbook to the run-pass option. The GM and ownership have not pushed this as far as they could. It's like they're just getting the Ferrari on the racetrack, and man, look what it can do. Yeah, no, they're in the right lane right now, right? We want to get that car into the left lane and hit the pedal, right? So you got another gear? Take it there, Really right? unleash him. I think you got to unleash this guy because, look, it's, it's a gettable division. You're a game back in this division, you got to go for it. And that's what we've been saying the entire time. There's no holding back at this point. You're not far enough into it where you're two, three games out with only four to play or only five to play. You have a shot. You're going to have to take it more. I think you got to push this thing to the floor to get past the Vikings the way the Vikings are going now, right? And I think you take it there as best you can. I think that moving over though, right, if you look at the 49ers, And I want to highlight them because I thought that they were a team that would be in on making the move, making the big move to get Russell Wilson because he was on on the block and a serious option for a team that's been putting a lot of pieces together but has had horrible quarterback play. I think you had a little bit of overconfidence out of the 49ers here as well because they thought that they could get away with what Josh Allen was going to give them. Um, And it looks like that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot here. Well, not only that, I spoke to the ownership there and I said, well, what's your rationale by not going and improving the quarterback position? And they said, I just don't like the guy. He knows it's a digital Wait, league, he right? He doesn't like Josh Allen? No, he doesn't like Russell Wilson. How do you not like Russell Wilson? He says he's too clean cut. He doesn't. He wants more of an edge. Uh, all right. <laughs> In the digital league. I don't know. It's I don't know if it's like staring at the player profile. Russell Wilson, Sierra, they got a nice family going. What I would want like? Sierra on the sidelines on my games, but apparently the 49ers are like, no, we're not into it. They're too nice of a, they're too, too nice of a family. Too nice of a family. Wow. And that was the rationale for turning into a dumpster fire for year one at four and six, bottom of the division, and going nowhere for now, and still having a huge question mark of what they're going to do at quarterback going forward. The question, too, is do you stick with Josh Allen or do you try and get something in the draft? Is that the direction that you go in or is Josh Allen young enough, which, you know, he is. He's very young. Are you going to try and build this in year two around Josh Allen? The the problem is, is that at that point, then Josh Allen becomes a lottery ticket, right? So he's not going to get done for you this year with the hope of that he gets it done next year. What if he doesn't? Now you're in year two of a five-year league. And you're scrambling again. So I don't think Josh Allen gets it done. The Niners did something better, though, which is, look, I think the number one option was to go out and get Wilson and make a move now. But instead, they get the consolation prize of all consolation prize because another podcast arrives and another Bosa gets traded. It's the same Bosa. Nick Bosa moves again. You guys know there's two of them, right? (laughs) just keeps he is apparently a very tradable commodity he's a hot potato who would have thought that a a corner piece to a quarter to a defense of this caliber and this young could be moved and not be a franchise lock him down never move from a team after the draft begins he goes from the jaguars over to the 49ers and looking at how this all played out It kind of felt like the Jags, I mean, we all know this, right? The Jags stole this guy, absolute fire sale stole this guy from Carolina. It's like they robbed the bank, 
They get outside. They got the mask on. They got the bag. They got Bosa with them. And they're looking for the getaway car. And there's nothing to be found. They don't know where to go next with this guy. They got him playing D-tackle. They got him with zero sacks. They have this great shiny piece. And they have no idea how to use him. So they just put him on the block for sale. And that's how you find the 49ers just, you know, rubbing their hands back and forth, going, man, I'm licking my chops. I cannot wait to get this guy onto my team. That was a good steal. I just hope that um, Nick Bosa doesn't unpack his bags. He leaves everything in the duffel bag because um, who knows where he is tomorrow. I think that the opposite, though, has happened, right? Because you have uh, the Bosa brothers, you have one of them at the 49ers, and you have one of them at the Cowboys. And I think that those ownerships are going to be the strong hands in the league that are not going to be releasing players um, on a whim like that. And the weak hands in the in the league have shown. And it's clear which teams are willing to go wholesale trade and just get rid of everything lock, stock, and barrel uh, versus who's trying to build something for years uh, one, two, and three. Um, getting rid of things lock, stock, and barrel – I don't think you can go any further than what the Tennessee Titans, they are back to the Tennessee Titans because all of their players from Dallas are now gone. Not only are all of their players from Dallas gone, all of their picks are gone. They have no pick this year. They have no pick next year. I think that the Nets from 2014 ended that trade for Garnett with more picks than what the Titans ended up after our last podcast to this podcast, because the cupboard is bare when it comes to drafting. They will not need to go on any draft stage. They can take the night off. Uh, they can watch it with some popcorn like us. How do you feel about getting rid of all of those picks and what they got back? No, at least when the Nets did it, they traded their picks and they got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, right? You got some things to, to, got a to watch run. a little bit, right? You, you had a couple, a couple good years in you. Um, so you're saying the Nets trade was better than this? Maybe, yes. I, I, I guess I am, yeah. <laughs> wow. The Nets franchise is, is one step ahead of where we think the Tennessee Titans are right now. And, you know, it's it's going to be hard to justify it unless they do make a playoff run because now you got to hope that guys go to free agency to get them because without that, you're going to have to really, you know, you're going to have to roll with the quarterback and running back. And do you think that that combination on this team is strong enough uh, to get it done? No. No, I don't. You don't I, think Bridgewater and Murray are the guys? Well, I mean, he no, has, no, has, <laughs> has Philip Rivers for about the next 10 days until he either, you know, falls over because his arm falls off or he just absolutely retires at 37. But Bridgewater's the next guy. He's always been a backup in this league. He's still 26. It looks like that's the path forward. Is that good enough? Or is it a dime that you try and go out and get? Is it a, I mean, I would say draft someone, but that's not possible till 2029. So like, who do you go out and get um, if it's not Bridgewater? Well, that, that, that's the issue, right? It's, 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 you have Bridgewater, who's a borderline backup. You have Latavius Murray, who can be a nice back, but he's also kind of a borderline backup at this point. So Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce would look a lot better on this team right now. So yeah, yes, that's, that's very true. Talking about older quarterbacks and older teams, Bob Lung, we've realized that his fantasy sports began in 1987, which now we understand. We understand why he is only picking players that were born at 1987 or prior, because there's a tie in there somehow that that's the pathway forward. And you know what? He might have it right, because right now he is in a huge match that starts in just a couple of minutes from when this podcast is being recorded against the Steelers. And this team has turned it around and they have a chance tonight 
to push themselves past the Steelers if they win this game. And I'll tell you what, they might move past them in a big way because the rest of their schedule is a lot weaker than the Steelers. So even if they lose this game, I could see them coming out of this division. No, I like the I like the Bengals coming out of it now. I know we were really talking up the Steelers there for a long time. I was talking up the Ravens, um, which turned out to be a mistake. That was horrible. <laughs> but but I, th- I think the Steelers here, um, their defense isn't all that great. And I think the Bengals, who have a fantastic defense, their offense is going to be too much for the Steelers tonight. I still think the Steelers win, and mainly just because every time that you pick a team, it's absolutely incorrect. <laughs> hey, Bob, I'm uh, I'm sorry, but I'm picking your Bengals tonight. <laughs> he's, he's put the kibosh on Bob, and I think that's... That's going to be a problem. Just the mojo right there could be an issue uh, going forward. But we'll see. Both of them are six and four. That's a huge, uh, a huge one going forward. The team that I might, you might think though, is is the smartest in the room right now are the Eagles. The Eagles are on top of the AFC East. Uh, it's it's a tough, di- tough division. It's no jokes, right? Every team is above 500, but they are sitting at eight and two, eight and two. And they have one of the youngest rosters in the whole league. Their quarterback play has been has been dynamic. And now they're saying, I'm looking to give up picks for older players. This is the chance, right, to cash in on guys because people are going to be sellers and they're going to be buyers for assets that are depleting that he just probably wants for a year or two for a rental, then retire. I don't care. I'm going to get a first-round buy if this keeps going the way that I think it's going. And they got a chance, right? We put together a list. We're looking at some guys. Who is a guy that you see that could fit onto this team uh, that they should go out and acquire, either at the linebacker or the line? Or where do you think that they need help going forward? You got um, a few guys here. You got Jamie Collins on the Browns, um, at outside line, outside linebacker. You have Anthony Costanzo on the Ravens as well, and, and I think the Ravens. Ravens they're, are on a sale, right? They're thinking they, about selling here, right? And the Browns are trash as well. And and I think K.J. Wright as an outside linebacker from the Dolphins, all these guys are like 29, 30, 31. These have got to be on sale for what? Like second, third, fourth round picks? I mean, what are they going to do with these guys that are all older? They're going to be deteriorating year after year. They are in a complete rebuild because they're already out of it. They've got to be able to find something like a deal out there that brings in a couple of these guys, and then the NFC East gets really interesting. The Eagles are actually in an ideal situation here because we kept talking about how young they are. Now they can maybe trade some picks. They don't need to get younger, um, and they can they can actually go for it here. Well, that's exactly what the 49ers did, right? They went out and said, we're going to get Juju. We're going to hold him here for about 20 seconds, and then we're going to trade him uh, because we don't need these picks. They finally have landed on at least Bosa, and they're going to actually keep him around, it sounds like. But The difference is that they have Watson versus Josh Allen. That's right. The, the, That's the huge difference, right? They're both young teams. Just one of them is smart enough to have a quarterback of some capability. So getting back to the Eagles, right? Their conference is – their division is really interesting, right? You have the Giants who were surging, and now they're pulling back. You have the, the Redskins that surged in the beginning, and they're kind of middle of the pack now. And you had the Cowboys who searched early, who have pulled back, and now they've won again. Their team has changed around a little bit. They've moved on from the running back and wide receiver that they had in Carson and McLaren, and they've added Kumara and Lockett. And that combination worked against um, the – who did they play today? Either way, they won. Uh, oh, they played the, um, the Patriots. They won a game – uh, and Kumara ran for over 85 yards, which is the first time that they've had a running back go for like over 20 yards in like six games, which is 
not saying a lot, but a Kumara is actually having an impact. Can one of these teams, which they're six and five, five and four, six and five, catch the Eagles if they don't make a move? Or do the Eagles have to make a move to really stay ahead of the other three? Because they all are going to need, the Eagles are going to go back through the division again one more time before this season ends. They have to go back through all three of those teams. Do they have enough firepower to get it done and not have their moment of falling back to the rest of the pack? I think it's a no-brainer that you do make the move, right? Why even risk it at this point? You have this cushiony league. You have people that are going to be sellers. Make the move. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a move that's going to happen for the Eagles. I hope it's a big one because they have a chance to really solidify that, especially with the way Winston has played. He he did exactly what we talked about last time, which is push the Giants into a position where they think they can win. And last game, he literally throws a dumpster fire of a game and throws three picks, and they lose to Fitzmagic and the Bears. That's As a quarterback showdown. Not only that, that's a that's a loss you can't take. At six and four, you can't take that loss against a team that's in a rebuild with no quarterback. Right? That's the issue is that Winston can throw the ball. It's that he can also throw the ball to the other team more than your own. And that's exactly what happened there. And they fall back into a situation now where they're on pace to to lose out because they don't have an answer at quarterback again, I think that they're going to play it out. I think they're really going to go the length here with Winston, be uh, sellers, but not being able to bring in a quarterback at some point. I think that that's where they're going to end up. And all that adds up to eight and eight. And you're watching the playoffs on TV, not actually playing in them. Yeah. It's going to be really tough for them to really get past a certain point if they don't uh, make a move here and really think about what the long-term strategy is. We say it on every podcast, I feel like, but that's kind of like where we're at. Talking about a team turning the corner, though, the Raiders, who could have been left for dead at one point, have now come back with a vengeance. They get Murray back healthy. They get Hunt back healthy. They get Antonio Brown catching balls all over the place. They've won four straight wins over the Lions, the Chargers, but also the playoff-bound Jets and the old-ass Bengals. So they've really made some moves, beaten two teams that we think are going to make playoff noise. Is this team for real with the young quarterback, the running ability? They have a really good line. They have some pieces here. They have one of the more talented rosters, I think. Is this a team that can make a move that we were not talking about in any of our podcasts earlier as someone that was, you know, capable of getting it done. Yeah, I mean, the reason we weren't talking about them because they're six and five now, and that's after four straight wins. Um, that's a good point. Their offense looks absolutely fantastic. What analysis right there? That's absolutely right. I he can knows, do math. <laughs> he he does do math, people, and that is right. They are six and five. At one point, they were not six and five. They are six and five now. The Chiefs, though, are still ahead in that division with a rookie quarterback, right? Or back and forth between Brissett. Uh, I think that there's going to be – it's going to shake out there, right? The Broncos, the Raiders, the Chiefs, I think that one comes down as one of these that goes the length and you don't figure out who's going to actually win that division uh, until the last week uh, heading into the playoffs. We got some very watchable games here um, that are going to be coming out of the wire. One of the things that's not watchable, though, is the AFC South. And the Jaguars and Titans now are going to be – they're 2-8, and eight, they're 4-6 and six. – there's going to be some issues there. The Texans might just literally walk into the playoffs. That's another team we have not really talked a ton about. But with the Colts at 5-5, five and five, two games out, the Texans are probably going to walk through that division 
do you see them as a huge contender or do you see them as as a benefactor of being in just such a soft division uh, currently? I, th- I don't think they're a bad team at all. They have some very good pieces again on offense. And I think that, you know, once they do get into the playoffs, they can beat people. There's no softer place, though, than the NFC South. The NFC South has the Falcons at 7-3, and three, but the Bucks, the Saints, and the Panthers all only have four wins. They've already clinched practically as being the Falcons and just rolling the, the football onto the field. That's about as soft as Just it send them on out there. And I think that's a team where you go, okay, listen, I know I know for a fact I'm going to be in the playoffs the way this is going, right? I think the mentality has to change there and say, this is a win-now team. If you're a win-now team, I think you really got to start thinking about what you're doing with your picks, what you're doing with players, and saying, do I need all this young talent because you know what? You know, maybe go out and get half the team that Bob Lung has, right, of all these old guys. <laughs> bring them in because the Falcons are going to go where the Rams and Cardinals, they're going to fight that out. Six and five, six and three. You know, there's there's some noise to be made there. Like the Falcons already know that they're pretty much going to host a playoff game the way this is going. I think you really got to think about who you're adding to your team. That's a team that I want to see what they do between now and the next podcast because that focal point could be really big. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that that team is one to look at, um, but the dumpster fire continues in Carolina. I actually, I'm starting to feel bad about us calling them a dumpster fire every week, but that's the honest truth. If the fire still burns, you still call it what it is. Yes, yes. And the problem with the dumpster fire in Carolina is the choice. It's not just the fact that they're four and six, right? They're or sorry, yeah, they're four and six. It's not the fact that they have a losing record. It's not even the worst in the league. It's just the fact that you know that you are not going to catch the Falcons at seven and three. And the choice to start Big Ben for the last four games is just mind-boggling. I get that he's thrown 12 touchdowns and four picks, which is wonderful. But the fact that you're 2-2 two and two over that time frame and starting a 37-year-old on a team that's 4-6 and six, and you have no shot at making the playoffs, I feel like this is really setting you up for a new ending to our podcast, which is... Start Hearns. Do like, you, what are you doing? Do you think the tank is on in Carolina? Do you think this is actually on purpose? You here? think he's doing this on purpose? You think that there's there's tanking in this in this league and the commission might need to I get mean, involved? I mean, I'm trying to explain some of these decisions, explain the record. Sure. Just, you're, you're still hung up on the Bosa trade. You're still <laughs> hung up on how fleeced these guys got getting rid of guys. Well, because when you're trying to make your team better, you do that, right? This team was losing and they got worse. Do you think it would be better for them to – like let's let's pretend like they are tanking because I, I hope that they are not. But imagine if they are tanking and they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to start Big Ben. Do you think it's actually more beneficial to maybe get a, a slightly better pick? Maybe it's even five, seven picks better. Or is it more beneficial to have Hearns on the field for 10, 12 games, right? Which he could have had him out for if he had started him four games ago and kept it going. Is it more beneficial to have gotten him those reps at that point? Or would it be better to get a, a more a lucrative pick going forward. No, you're, you're right. You, they have a good young quarterback that's not doing them any good to be holding the clipboard at this point, right? So uh, they're not even tanking correctly, I guess. <laughs> so you're telling me that they've they've screwed up tanking screwed, already. Yeah. So they've, they've screwed up the trades. They've screwed up their roster. I wasn't uh, going to go there with Carolina today, but I guess we did. <laughs> I like how you prefaced it all with saying, I'm trying to be nice to Carolina, and then you told them that they're tanking <laughs> incorrectly from the guy who – knows how to do math. He knows that you guys are tanking. Oh, God. That's really, really oh. where we're at. Um, listen, 
I think it's a wrap right now until we go back to and say, listen, who do you got? Because, look, I need three teams, and you got to give me some winners at this point, bud, because the last three were all duds. I think tonight I would take the Steelers. Are you taking the Bengals? Yes. Again, Bob, I'm sorry, but I, I like your chances here. <laughs> you put the kibosh on that team. You got another one for me, or you want me to give you one? Give me one. How about this? The, this is a, a tough one. The Jaguars or the Titans? Both of them are, oh are a very a very different look. Which one are you going with? Ah, jeez, I'm going with the Titans. I think I would take the Titans as well, just because the Jaguars don't know where people should play. And the last one that I'll give you, ooh, I like I like this matchup tonight: the Packers versus the 49ers. I'm gonna take the Packers. You think so? Yeah, I actually feel very good about these three picks I just made. Dude, you went 0 for 3 last I know, week. but I feel really good to, about you know these picks. I'm going to go with the Packers on the road as well, just because I think Josh Allen has such a probability of throwing up on himself that the Packers might get this done. And I like the fact that they changed uh, their coaching. That could be a really big difference. Listen, that's it for us. It's going to be a wrap here. Uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. But put Lamar in the left lane. Put him out there, guys.